Hey, Andre here. Welcome to yet another episode of the Daily. Good morning. It is a brand new day, full of possibility, full of promise. And I pray for you this morning that you would experience God, His joy and delight over you, that you would feel a sense of peace even in your heart and soul, even as you begin your day today, that you will start off being immersed in God, His joy over you, and that you will approach your day today with great hope and expectation that good is coming your way. Not because you have struck some kind of karma lottery, but because you are held in the hands of a God who is so, so good and who loves you so, so much. I recently chanced upon a video uh, that someone put together of old TV advertisements from the 90s. Someone put all of the advertisements I used to watch growing up on TV into a single video and I watched it a couple of times. It was so fun revisiting some of these old videos. Uh, wonder how many of you are familiar with some of these advertisements like the one where that goes Tong Si Zai Nali Na Tu Lai or uh, the bathroom is over there, the kitchen is over there. You know, all these kind of advertisements uh, brought back so much fond memories. And uh, there were probably about 15 to 20 advertisements in that video. And I noticed something uh, that is a kind of like a consistent theme among most, if not all, advertisements. And it's a really obvious theme. Typically, an advertisement will start off with a guy or a gal who is really sad, who is down, and then cue whatever product or service the advertiser is trying to sell. And then boom, person becomes happy and content. It's almost as though advertisers are trying to say with this product, with this service, you would be happy. We all know this to be true to a certain extent, don't we? That advertisers aren't really selling a product or service. In many ways, they are selling to you, the consumer, happiness. Get this product, get this service, and then you will truly be happy. It's said that we see an upwards of 4,000 advertisements a day, whether consciously or unconsciously. And all of these advertisements are designed to stoke the fire of desire in our belly. It is in a way to monetize the sense of restlessness and sadness that many of us feel. And so we end up buying more, accumulating more, desiring and coveting for more all for the quest of attaining that elusive sense of happiness and contentment that we see on TV, that we so desperately want and seek for our own lives. Now, if you were to ask the average person on the street what they would want most in life, most in some way or form would say to be happy. Whatever their goal is or ambition or the amount of money they desire, it is rooted on the belief that with whatever they have named, if they so attained it, they would be happy. Deep down in the heart of every human being is a desire to be happy. And the great minds of Christendom have all noted this, right? Blaise Pascal once said that all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Thomas Aquinas said man is unable not to wish to be happy. And Augustine said, every man whatsoever his condition desires to be happy. However, at times we think of this goal or desire to be happy as an immature, childish 
kind of desire or pursuit, right? And in the world of Christendom, we often hear you want to be holy and not happy. If you want to be mature, you would pursue holiness and not just happiness. But what if the desire to be happy is not so much the problem? What if this desire to be happy was actually put there by the Creator, by God Himself? And what if to be happy is a prerequisite for us to grow into a people who love God well, who love other people well? And so the problem I would like to submit to you isn't so much our, our desire to be happy, but is that we look for happiness in all of the wrong places. We pursue satisfaction and gratification in stuff and in experiences and in people, and, but we often leave unfulfilled. One of the privileges of my job is that I get to meet people from all walks of life. And one of the things that I have realized over time is that no amount of money, however much you can think of, would ever truly satisfy, would ever leave one consistently and infinitely happy. Wealth simply does not satisfy. It may give you more options and more avenues to try and satisfy oneself, but it is an eventual dead end. Potentially, it could be a longer route to discovering that dead end as opposed to a person with less would, would discover as well. Augustine once said that human desire is infinite. Just think about it. Your appetite for more, for needing more, for wanting more is infinite. You may delude yourself to think that all you need is that pay raise and then you're content. Or you may delude yourself to thinking all I need is another house or another car of that brand and model and you will be content, you will be satisfied. You may delude yourself in thinking so. But human desire, if left unbridled and to, left to its own devices, is infinite, is insatiable. It can never be fully satisfied. And it's with that that I remember a line from the philosopher and author C.S. Lewis, writer of the Chronicles of Narnia and books like Mere Christianity, Screwtape Letters, The Great Divorce, brilliant, brilliant books that have been so uh, impactful and, and formative in my theology and understanding of God. He says this about human desire. If I find within myself a longing that cannot be satisfied, by anything I find in this world, it seems logical to conclude that I was not made for this world. Wow, what a line. Essentially, he is saying, because human desire is infinite, because it is insatiable and unquenchable, it has to be met by a being by someone who is infinite and unquenchable himself. And we know only one in all of the cosmos, in all of the universe that is so, and that is our God. God is infinite in love, in power. He is unquenchable. And in many ways, this infinite desire of wanting more and more we feel in our hearts mirrors the infinite unquenchable abundance we see in our God. And until we come to that conclusion, we will always be longing, we will always be seeking 
for more, for another experience or another item or another form of fame and acclaim to satisfy this insatiable desire. And it would be like trying to fill up the Grand Canyon with pebbles. It just would not work. We must come to the often painful at first, but fulfilling conclusion that only God can truly and fully satisfy the desires of our heart. As Augustine said, our hearts are restless, O God, until it finds its rest in thee. In John chapter 1, verse 38, we read of this interaction between Jesus and two would-be disciples. And he asks them a question. And this is the first question Jesus would pose to those who would follow him. The question is simple. In John chapter 1, verse 38, it says this, Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? Or I love another translation of this verse. It goes, What do you want? That question I would like to suggest to you is the first, last, and most fundamental question of Christian discipleship. Notice when Jesus approaches his would-be disciples, he does not encounter them, Matthew, John, or you and me, asking the question, what do you know? How much do you know? Or he doesn't even ask, what do you believe? He asks the question, what do you want? What do you seek? This is the most incisive and piercing question Jesus can ask of us precisely because we are what we want. Our wants and longings and desires are at the core of our identity, the wellspring from which our actions and behaviors flow. So discipleship is so much more than understanding and knowledge, as important as that is. Discipleship really is a matter of hungering and thirsting rather than just knowing and believing. And Jesus' command to follow him is a command to align our loves and longings with his, to want what God wants, to desire what God desires, to hunger and thirst after God and crave a world where he is all in all. A vision that is encapsulated by the shorthand, the kingdom of God. Jesus isn't just the kind of teacher who wants to inform our intellect but he wants to form our very loves. So maybe today you're listening to this and you go, yes, I want to love God. I know it is right to love God and his ways, but I'm in love with so many other things, some of which are contrary to the way of Jesus. And how can I even begin to realign my love and my longing unto God? And the reminder for us is this, that the heart is kind of like a compass, an erratic homing device that we need to regularly calibrate, tuning it to true north, much like our heart needs to be continually and regularly calibrated to the creator, our true north. And we calibrate our hearts, we realign our loves and longings by withholding ourselves from indulging in that which is of the world, in that which is fleshly desire, and immersing ourselves in spiritual practices and activities that direct our attention, our gaze, our desire unto God. James K. Smith, a brilliant author, calls these practices pedagogies of desire, pedagogies of desire. Because while lectures will inform us, 
rituals would form and direct our affections. It will form our loves and longings. So a question we have answered today is the question of human desire, how it is infinite and how it beckons and it longs to be answered by the infinite God. But a question we are to ask ourselves at this time is what rituals, what practices, what pedagogies of desires do we have in place in our lives that form our loves and longings, that redirect our affections unto our God, unto our Creator? I remember a recent time where I was on a diet with Amy and we were eating all sorts of healthy food and we were withholding ourselves from junk food, from eating too late and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we were on this diet for a couple of months. One of the things that I've never been inclined to eating is fish. For some reason, I just don't like fish. I think I was scarred when I had chicken pox and my mom gave me only fish to eat for some reason. And I just no, never had a inclination towards fish. But because of the diet, I had to eat fish. It was part of the meal plan. And so we're eating cod, salmon, and all sorts of fish. And after two months, I started to gain a liking for fish. And I eat fish almost three or four times a week now. Uh, and I am starting to like the taste of fish. And in many ways, I crave for fish most days. And here's the point I would like to make. You always crave what you have cultivated an appetite for. That which you long for, that which you desire, is a byproduct of that which you have cultivated in your heart or in your mind. If you are constantly longing for more clothes, more shoes, perhaps it's because you have been cultivating a desire for more clothes, more shoes by way of you know always constantly window shopping, so to speak, or following a ton of fashion bloggers because these things have your time and your attention by extension, it has a hold on your desire as well. And so the same would apply in our pursuit of God, in our goal of realigning our loves and longings to our true north. By immersing ourselves in spiritual activity and practices, be it fasting on Tuesdays or coming into a Zoom prayer meeting on Wednesdays, it may seem small and insignificant, but these practices and rituals teach and tutor our hearts to long for the right thing. And in this moment, what we are experiencing all around us is the fragility of cultural happiness. Much of what we have staked and built our lives upon, our careers, our ability to move or travel, much of what we have built our happiness upon is crumbling down and many of us are experiencing disappointment and some of us despair. And what this moment serves to do for us and our souls is to cause us to reconsider that which we've placed our happiness upon and to realign that desire to He who truly satisfies. As Jesus said to the woman at the well, you will never thirst again. In Jesus, our soul is fully and truly satisfied. So this morning, even as we begin our day, and perhaps even as we begin to reconsider our schedules and how we occupy our days, let's spend a moment this day dwelling in God in His presence and allowing His Spirit 
to recalibrate our hearts, to tune it to that which is right and true. Even as David says this in Psalm 27 verse 4, a passage that we have all come to love, he says this, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And let us admit today with humility that this is not where we're at. We desire many, many, many things. But deep down in our souls, we acknowledge that we want to want this. We want to have that oneness of pursuit to say this of our lives, that one thing that we have desired, that we will seek to dwell in God's house forever. And so God, we pray, form our loves and longings today, even as we dwell in your presence, recalibrate our hearts, tune our longings and desires to that which is right and true to you, O God. So let's spend a moment this morning dwelling in God's presence and allowing the Spirit to work deep in our hearts. Let's take a moment this morning. Amazing. Let me pray for you even as you begin your day today. Lord, we profess this day that you are our heart's true desire. While we may not feel it and while we may not fully comprehend it, God, we know that you have designed us from the dawn of creation with a desire for you, O God, to long for that intimate communion with you, O God. And God, we pray that even today, even as we make a decision to recalibrate and align our hearts to you, that God, you would rid us of the things that we have picked up that so pull away and distract us from dwelling in a house, from fixing our gaze and attention on you. God, speak to us on the items, on the experiences, on the longings that we have placed our happiness upon, and Lord, teach us and tutor our hearts to take that happiness, that which you desire for us. You desire us to be happy, to take that happiness and to place it on you, O God, and trust in your goodness and your good nature. So God, we thank you for this day. May be filled with experiences with you. We open up our hearts and our senses. We want to experience you, O God. We want to see you. Come and meet with us today. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of Daily. Have a great, great day. See you in the next episode. Grace and peace. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Daily Podcast. We'll have fresh new episodes out for you every weekday. If you like what you're hearing and want to check us out, uh, you can look us up on our website www.thecity.sg or check us out on our various social media platforms. We'll see you at the next episode. Peace.